0: Welcome to the HR Chat Podcast, bringing the best of the HR, talent, and leadership communities to you. For more episodes and the latest articles covering what's new in the world of work, visit HRGazette.com, subscribe, and follow us on social media.
1: Welcome to another episode of the HR Chat Show. I'm your host today, Bill Bannum. And joining me on this episode is Dr. Tony Best, Chief Human Performance Officer over at Aduro, a leading SaaS provider of corporate wellness solutions. Tony is on a mission to help people be the most expansive, best versions of themselves, which benefits employees and employers alike. Tony's team says that her let's make the workplace more human, shall we, approach represents the leadership style that she brings to Aduro, a company that she co-founded. For several years, Aduro has been named to the Inc. 5000 list of the fastest growing private companies in the US and named sixth most equitable workplaces in Washington by the Puget Sound Business Journal. So uh, lots of uh, amazing credentials there. Hey, Tony, welcome to the show today.
0: Thank you, Bill. I'm delighted to be here. And thank you for that warm welcome. Let's talk about people and work, shall we?
1: Shall we? Well, let's talk about one person in particular to start with. Let, let's talk about you. Why don't you take a minute or two, Tony, and introduce yourself to our audience?
0: Sure. I, uh, I come from healthcare. So I come from the provider side. And uh, that's the, where I started my career, really taking care of patients one at a time. But for the past 15 years, I've been at Aduro, really digging into the science and the practice of coaching and human development and how that intersects with health and well-being. And um, I'm just fascinated with human beings and our individual and our collective development, how we develop together as a society. And so as the chief human performance officer at Aduro, I lead human performance coaching strategy across the continuum from basic wellness coaching to integrative mental health, to care for chronic conditions. And uh, internally, that that care for people and that coaching mindset really leads to the people experience of our fire starters as well. We uh, refer to our people here as fire starters. And so my focus internally is on company culture initiatives and leadership development at Aduro, helping our our leaders lead from from a coaching space. And, um, I think ultimately, you know, what gets me out of bed in the morning, I'm just energized by making the workplace more human. I want to show up at a workplace where people treat each other like people. And I think other people do too. And, and we spend so much of our life at work. It it should really be meaningful and manageable and create great connections for us on a, on a daily basis. So we work on creating a happy eight hours environment. We call it here. Why should you have to wait? until happy hour in order to to have a great time. Uh, We want to create a happy eight hours environment at Aduro where people can experience the joy and the challenge of expanding their capacity in life and unlocking their potential at work.
1: Why not subscribe to the premium version of HR in Review? You'll get ad-free content, early and extra episodes and more. Even better, although it's the premium edition, it's absolutely free. Sign up at hrreview.co.uk slash podcast. Okay. Okay. Sounds pretty good to me, Tony. Um, Okay. This this idea of a happy eight hours environment. uh, I'm just I'm interested. Are you are you anti flexible hours? Are you pro flexible hours? Uh, That 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 term sounds like you know it's a solid eight hour stint. But what's your take?
0: (laughs) Well, it is a very flexible work environment. Uh, Absolutely. We think that being flexible and and helping to personalize the the work environment to each person, helping them find their natural rhythm in the context of their work and their life and, and being able to integrate that in the way that works best for them is, um, is really, really important. So the happy eight hours is, is ultimately really a play on words. We assume you're going to spend somewhere around eight hours per day over over the course of a week and make it yours and make it work for you.
1: Okay. We're on the same page. Not, not that it matters what well, I think, but we are we are on the same page. Uh, okay, so one of your colleagues recently shared the following on LinkedIn. I thought it was lovely, so I thought I'd mention it here. Uh, she said she shed, shed the following. I am continually impressed and inspired by how employee effectiveness and productivity get improved at Aduro. It has been almost two years since I joined the company, and during this time, I have constantly been empowered to express myself more freely at work there we go that that should go straight on glass door here's my question for you uh, what goes into creating a company culture where people feel empowered to speak up to share without without any fear
0: it's a wonderful question and such a wonderful comment from her uh, we talk a lot at Aduro about seeing the human in front of us there's a thing that we do as human beings the way our nervous system works in order to help us process things more quickly is that we we take a snapshot of a person and that's what we tend to see when we see the person. So I've met you now, Bill, if I'm not conscious and present about uh, being here with you, I'm going to see that initial snapshot that I saw of you. And so we talk a lot about really seeing the human in front of us as they are here. And now today, and not freezing people in time, not freezing a person in that, in that bad moment they had, um, you know, not freezing them in a good moment that they had, just seeing them in this moment that they're in right now, dropping our filters or ideas about the human being, and really being present with them in that particular moment. Uh, another piece of that is really caring about the person beyond the work. You don't have to know everything about their personal life. There's there's uh, some leaders that that don't want to know everything about your personal life, and there's people that don't want to tell you everything about your personal life, but it's important to care about the person beyond the work that they're doing. That's the only way you're going to notice if there's something going on with them, if they're having a tough day, if they're they're having a, a mental health crisis, just really caring about the person beyond the work. And, and those are the building blocks for building psychological safety in a culture as well. So we have to earn the right to challenge people directly, to, to challenge their thinking, to um, to challenge them to rise to the next level. And so we really take a coach approach. We as leaders practice self-management and and leave unnecessary things left unsaid and ask powerful questions so that we're eliciting new and best thinking of our people that leads to the expansion of their capabilities and stronger decision-making and confidence in their decision-making as well. So asking questions and then just being quiet and, and giving them the floor. Um, I think it's also really important uh, that no matter what we're doing, whether it's a, a business meeting, whether it's, um, you know, just a, a cultural group gathering, that we're meeting people where they are, that draft thinking is okay. Everything doesn't have to be perfect and, and um, you know, cleaned up all the time and that we can dis- disagree respectfully and, and really a- assume best intent from from the people around us. And I think uh, amongst all of those things, we're creating a foundation where people can, can practice, you know, showing up as themselves, noticing that it really is rewarding, and that it helps them to um, do better work as well. And then the, the more they have that experience, where they're not penalized for being themselves, the more they do it over time as well.
1: Okay, you're good at this. I'm loving your answers. Uh, you, you get you. five out of five so far. <laughs> <laughs> okay so in may 2022 you launched the aduro connect care a digitally Ooh. enabled proprietary condition management solution for employees wishing to help some of the 37 million americans who have type 2 diabetes um, i've had personal experience uh, in, in my personal life of folk who've had uh, type 1 and type 2 diabetes it is so prevalent it's such an important important, important cause and something that we all need to be more aware of. Can you take a minute or two now and tell us more?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think it, it's important to note that when we started Aduro, coming from the patient side, one of the things that we noticed were, were that people were coming to us when they kind of tried everything and now, you know, they're sick and injured and and all of those things and we're trying to get them back to health. And so starting Aduro was really about going upstream and getting to people before they ever got sick and and helping them never have to deal with chronic conditions but the numbers speak for themselves right so the cdc says that 90% of our nation's 4.1 trillion dollar annual healthcare spend is for chronic and mental health conditions that's enormous And now 60% of Americans have one or more chronic conditions. And as you said, 37 million Americans have diabetes. That's one in 10 Americans that have diabetes. And there's another 96 million adults that have prediabetes. So that means they're right on the precipice. Almost three times the number of people that have diabetes are right on the line, almost at diabetes. And this can be such a devastating condition, leading to heart disease, kidney failure, Blindness—you know, people lose toes and feet—and um, you know that's just those physical aspects of it. It really takes a toll on people's mental health and and um, you know their their family life and the work that they do. So um, the the big thing that's happening now is that this is typically a disease that or a condition that hits in the second half of life, but more children, teens, and young adults are are developing type two diabetes at this point, and the cost is enormous. And employers are paying that cost, right? And and uh, I think, 2017, the the number for what they spent on diabetes it was 327 billion in medical costs and lost productivity. And so, you know, if you're looking at the number side, that's where where that stands. And employers really need help with this. Going even beyond that, when we just think about human beings in total in the United States, the University of North Carolina just came out with a study recently that said 88% of American adults, uh, adults are metabolically unhealthy, even if they're not overweight. So that means only one in eight of us are achieving our optimal metabolic health. And this puts more than just those, those folks with type 2 diabetes at risk for uh, heart disease, strokes, and more. And most of these can really be managed or reversed with lifestyle changes and how we eat, how we think, how we move, how we sleep, and how we connect with others. And that's our specialty. So we thought this is a really good place for us to step into. Let's start with type 2 diabetes. We've already brought in integrated mental health and type 2 diabetes and integrated and, and mental health are. Um, show up a lot of times in the same person and they need support in both of those things. And so just by you know bringing in the elements of personal coaching, um, health education to help people understand what's happening in their body, what they can do about it, and then giving them that personal support along the way, uh, giving them access to groups of people where they can learn together and succeed together is really important. And so we started this this year, starting with type two diabetes, uh, the foundations for a lot of chronic conditions is that metabolic health piece. Even, even uh, evidence is showing up that mental health is grounded in metabolic health as well. And so we're starting with diabetes and we're going to expand that out into nine or 10 other chronic conditions pretty quickly as well.
1: OK, wonderful. Thank you very much. Um, let's let's switch focus now and talk about women in the workplace. How do you think that HR departments can help to build uh, A more powerful community of women in the workplace and make their workplaces more female friendly so for example could that be through through the use of uh, employee resource groups could it be from finding better ways to remove bias from the hiring process what are your thoughts there and uh, i'm going to challenge you to answer in 90 seconds or less
0: Excellent. All right. Well, I think that minimizing bias is key. Notice I didn't say removing bias because we're all humans and we all have bias. And so if we think that we don't, that's a problem in and of itself. Self building the self-awareness of what we're biased towards is really important. And so we can get to that in our processes and having strong practices that make sure that we're not biased against people as they're coming into the organization. And that's gonna set up a good stage of equal opportunity for, um, that, that makes the workplace more female friendly. And then once you're in there from a leadership perspective, making sure leaders are really versed in the, the differences between how women and men show up in the workplace, I think is really important. Men are more likely to, to raise their hand for things that they're not quite ready for. And as leaders, we have to actually challenge women a lot more to, to step into those, those opportunities. And so that's really important. Um, I think something that we do at Aduro that I really love, we have a women's group called Fi Her Starters, a little play on the Starters name, that was created by the women of Aduro, not by the HR department, but by those women coming together to explore what it means to be a woman in the workplace, um, it's actually open to everybody, not just to women, but it really is about discussing what do women face in the workplace, to really celebrate and try to enhance the feminine energy so we show up as ourselves in the workplace and don't try to be more like men, bringing a more integral environment together, discussing how we make work work for women and how we can use the strengths of women to enhance the workplace as well. Um, I think it's important to have spaces for women where they can learn from each other, um, but not to be exclusionary and, and just create um, you know, spaces where there, where there aren't men. It's really to understand what are the things that are challenging women and what are the ways that we see the workplace can be better. And then how do we bring that back into the workplace overall and, uh, and you know, serve up a more integral opportunity for us all to work better together? And you know, some of the things that can come out of that are, hey, we tend to always have this meeting at this time. And I've noticed that all of the women are dropping their children off at school at that time. And so it's kind of putting them at a disadvantage. Can we look at doing that at a different time? And it's more comfortable for them to bring up some of those questions and ideas in that space where where they feel like um, they can talk about them openly before they bring them back into the larger group. And I think that That is something that I I think a cautionary tale about having groups just for women like CEO groups and women's leadership groups, I think are good to learn from each other. But they have to be inside of the context of developing more integral practices of how we all work better together and create a better workplace that serves all of us.
1: Another fantastic answer. Definitely not under 90 seconds, however. So I'm going to be I'm going to pun- I'm, I'm going to punish you now by challenging you to okay. answer the next one in under 60 seconds. OK, because I've got okay. a lot I want to ask of you today. Um, <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, next question for you. is How can CEOs who are often men be- become better mentors and coaches for their female employees?
0: I uh, I love this. I think, you know, as we're making making our ways as women into leadership, and um, we're still a minor- minority in leadership. So it is really important for for men to understand what women's challenges are in the workplace so they, they can be better mentors and coaches. And I think, you know, it goes back to some of the things that I've already talked about, which is caring about the person beyond the work. What are their challenges outside of work? And how can we help make work work better for them? Just that in itself will build trust and will um, allow the woman to reduce the stress of like what are all of these competing priorities that she has and make them work really well both for her and for the company. And I think um, you know it sounds like it's probably pretty obvious when we're talking about mentoring and coaching, but I don't know that it is. It's actually taking more of a coach approach to leadership, to first cultivate self awareness as a leader. How do we impact the people that we lead? To Care beyond the work and ask powerful questions to elicit the new and best thinking of that person sitting in front of you and find out what is it that they know and have to contribute that's going to be different than the way that you would go about things and then amplify that. Find out what their strengths are. How can you build that into the work that they're doing and, and see opportunities that are there for them? and offer those opportunities up even if it's just to build a certain skill um you know collaborative goal setting really bringing out the best of that person and and giving real time specific and actionable feedback and asking for feedback on your leadership as well and and taking it well how can i do better to coach and mentor you into you know this next more expansive version of yourself
1: in the summer of 2022, you wrote a post called Five Reasons Employers Should Build a Family-Friendly Workplace. So I'd like to ask you now, why is building or expanding a family-friendly work culture vital? And maybe as part of the answer, you can also suggest uh, some of those five reasons or share some of those five reasons from the article and explain why they matter
0: absolutely i i think it's always been important to create a family friendly workplace but i think it's become more important during and because of the covid pandemic i think through school and daycare closures and all the stress and uncertainty that's followed from that many parents have found themselves juggling work and family more than any other time before you know when their daycare closed they've they've got their child in a meeting and and that creates stress for them both in how how they're showing up, and also if they're really giving their their children the care that they need. And so many women left the workplace during COVID, disproportionately uh, COVID impacted women for sure. And they still bear the majority of the child rearing responsibilities. So looking for Alternative childcare arrangements has been especially challenging for women. So, creating that flexible work environment can be one of the best things I think that we do for um, for both women and men. I think that that these kinds of benefits impact men just as much as they impact women. If you're supporting the family as a whole, then this is better for everybody. So, some of the things that you know were we recommended in this article. Serving a diverse workforce, we want to create that equal opportunity, flexibility, and generous benefits, especially for for groups that have been traditionally more marginalized. These these flexible work environments can really help you even attract more top talent to build even a more diverse workplace where you have a lot of different perspectives that are coming in and helping you build your product or your service or whatnot. And um, of course, promoting a positive work culture. Um, you know, we at Aduro, we conduct regular anonymous surveys on a weekly basis. We share out those results. We use them in our quarterly planning, and we use them for development planning to identify growth opportunities and boost morale for people as well. So I think that, um, you know, listening to the workforce helps to really build that that positive work culture as well, and um, building this flexible work environment can reduce absenteeism and increase retention as well. So this allows people to work with their family commitments and their responsibilities while still being committed to their work and performing at a high level and those better family benefits can make it more likely that women will return to work after having children as well. And when you're when you're helping people integrate their life and their work well by being flexible and creating a more f- family-friendly work culture, This increases productivity as well. They feel more appreciated. They also feel like they can juggle all of those things a little bit better, and um, and so you know, building a a flexible, family-friendly work environment works better for everybody, and it makes everyone a little happier when they show up at work.
1: Wonderful. Well, I feel happier just uh, listening to you explain that. Um, (laughs) Hey, I I have to ask you while I've got you on on the show because you you do loads of coaching. Um, Obviously, this year we've seen the transition back into something. Uh, closer to to what life was like before 2020 Um, for example people are able to get out and about and meet in person and people are back in the offices in many cases and so on and so forth so I I was keen to get your take in terms of coaching how is how is in-person coaching different from online from the perspective of of a coach and maybe you could also suggest you know what are some of those challenges or benefits of online versus in person for, for the participants too
0: Mm, absolutely. I I have done a lot of coaching and I've done it in a lot of different ways. And and I think ultimately having uh, and this has been one of the one of the beauties, the highlights of COVID is learning how to really interact with people well when you can't be in person with them and having different modalities where it makes it easier to connect with people in many ways. But of course, there's nothing that really beats a live in person coaching session. You just get the whole effect of being in the room with the person, seeing their total body language, not just what shows up in that Zoom box, you know, that square that you can see them. You get the whole body language. You get to feel and sense the energy that's in the room and, you know, how this is interacting, how you are interacting with them and what impact this is having. You hear the things that aren't being said, you see the things. That aren't being said, and it can it can really lead you into uh, that right question at the right time. Having said that, I've done a lot of telephonic coaching sessions as well, and uh, it really trains you to listen in the spaces and to listen in the the energy and the tone and the and the emphasis on the words as well, and. Either one of these, you know, whether it's just on the telephone, whether it's in Zoom, whether it's in person, that relationship with another person can be exactly what a person needs just to break through to that next thing, which is which is you know what coaching's about, helping people figure out what it is that they want and then what those next steps are to get there. And you know, then you add in some of those those digital components. Once you have a once you have a relationship with a person, a well timed question, even in a chat. Can make a world of difference for people. So, I, I tend to really love the in-person because it gives you that holistic picture, and you really get more of a sense. But once you've got that relationship, having all of these different ways that you can interact is really a gift to the coach and and to the the member, the person that you're coaching as well.
1: Rock and roll! Another answer that I liked. Good work. Okay, and uh, just finally for today, Tony, how can our listeners connect with you? So maybe that's through LinkedIn. In maybe you want to share your email address, maybe you're really cool and you're all over TikTok and Instagram places, and probably super trendy and now rejecting Twitter. Um, and of course, uh, <laughs> how can you learn more? Sorry, how can our listeners learn more about Aduro
0: for sure? You can find Aduro at, at our website at adurolife.com, and you can find me at LinkedIn. I wish I could say I was super trendy and cool and was all over TikTok, but I am really not. You can find me on LinkedIn. And, um, and I'd be happy to share my email address as well, tony.best at adurolife.com.
1: Okay, well, that just leaves me to say for today, Dr. Tony Best, this has been an awesome conversation. I'm definitely gonna get you involved with other shows that we're doing in the future. But for now, thank you very much for being my guest on this episode of the HR Chat Show.
0: Thank you so much, Bill. It was wonderful to be here with you today.
1: And listeners, as always, until next time, happy working.